You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 15. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm really excited to be talking with you today. It's a beautiful spring day outside, finally. Um, I'm from Michigan, and um, if anybody lives in the northern part of the United States, it's pretty crappy all winter. We have had cold weather from probably the end of October until now, and um, it's finally becoming spring. I'm seeing some little buds out in the backyard sprouting up from the ground, and I saw a couple of deer today out in my backyard. And I'm just really happy to have the winter over and and be into spring because winters get old. So wherever you're at, I hope you're in warm weather and I hope it's sunny and beautiful. Um, Today on the podcast, I'd like to talk about listening and listening well. Um, The reason I started thinking about this subject is I had a email that I was sending out, uh, well, probably two weeks ago now. Um, And I decided to um, pull from one of my blogs that I had done quite a long time ago on listening and some different quotes and things. And I really got to thinking about how important listening is in all aspects of our lives, not just in our work um, and listening to clients, but also in friendships, in family relationships. It's just super important to listen. And because I am a high I on the DISC uh, personality profiling um, style scale, um, I is one of my higher things, uh, we have a tendency to be talkers, not listeners. And so listening can sometimes be challenging for me. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to listen to lectures. I don't even, I don't have a problem listening there, but I think when you're in a discussion with someone and um, you're intensely uh, doing a back and forth thing, sometimes your mind will drift off and you won't really listen the way you should. And I just really think it's important. It's important to communication in general. So Today, I thought we would talk about listening, uh, both from a standpoint of being a good veterinarian, a good friend, um, a good leader, because listening to people that you lead is so, so important. So um, listening and then um, a little bit of acting as well, because we all know that in the exam room, um, oftentimes as you are listening, you have to pull out some acting skills because... um, When people say kind of crazy things or funny things that aren't really supposed to be funny, um, we have to know how to keep a straight face as we're listening. And um, it doesn't always go over real well if you start laughing hysterically at your clients. So I think that's all part of the listening and the, you know, brain control part of being a good listener. And so um, from that standpoint, that's what we're going to talk about today. So I pulled out a quote from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in the book, Stephen says, most people do not listen to understand. They listen with the intent to reply, which is so true. A lot of us um, are in our head when someone's talking to us because we're so busy worrying about 
what we're going to say next and how we're going to reply to what that person just said. And, and I find myself doing that with clients as well. You know, they're telling me about the pet symptoms and my brain's already, you know, three steps ahead of them making up my diagnosis and making up my treatment plan. And so it's really an exercise in patience and also um, mind control to pay attention and not listen with the intent to reply, but really, really listening with the intent to understand and hear what that person is saying. Uh, John Maxwell, um, who is a leadership uh, guru, leadership um, speaker, and he writes a lot of books, he says that listening is our most important skill. He recommends that we spend 80% of our time listening and only 20% talking, which if you're anything like me is going to be super difficult because um, my brain wants to talk, my personality wants to talk. So I think being a 20% um, talker and an 80% listener is uh, very important and it's something that we should think about. So spending most of our time listening to clients and also responding to what they're saying with their body their body language and observing that can help us be a better listener because sometimes the words that come out of people's mouths don't always match their body language. And that's another thing that we can pay attention to when we're trying to listen. And there are lots of ways that we can work to develop our listening skills. Um, So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through a little bit of um, definitions of uh, different steps that we can take towards uh, listening properly and active listening, and then how can we we relate that to what we do daily in, in our exam room. So in order to be an active listener, there are some things that we have to be aware of. We want to make sure that we are getting the complete message that a client's trying to relay to us. They, like I said, if their body language doesn't match what's coming out of their mouth, if they're telling you the pet's only been um, sick for a day, but then they look very folded in on themselves, they look very unconfident, they won't meet you eye to eye, you can pretty much guess that perhaps you're not getting the whole truth and what they're saying to you with their body language might help you to ask the proper questions in order to get the complete message. So you have to pay attention to the other person very, very carefully. You can't become distracted by whatever else is going on in the room. You know, you don't want to be distracted by Um, you know, the pet that's moving around, the other people that are also in the room with you that aren't necessarily talking. Um, You can observe them, but but you really want to be paying complete attention and focused on the person that's talking to you. And that's part of this whole active listening process. One way to help you do that and to concentrate on each thing that they say is you can take some notes which is what I often do because I'm a very um, busy kind of person and tactile kind of person. So for me, if I can actually be doing something while they're talking um, to help me listen and to help me focus so I don't wander off and I don't get ahead 
um, taking notes is super important to me. So if some client's telling me, you know, the sequence of events of what happened over the last three or four days, I'm actually sitting there writing it down. Now on Monday, this was happening. Tuesday, this was happening. And I'm writing it down because then I'll have a much easier time if my brain does tend to wander a little bit during the conversation of going back and then trying to focus in on what the real message is and what what is really being told to me, what is the real story. And um, another way to kind of help you do that is to ask them some questions surrounding what they've been telling you and trying to boil this whole lesson or this whole story that they're telling you, trying to boil that all down to some facts or a list of facts so you'll have a better handle on what's been going on. So we need to listen for the information, listen in a way that we get the complete message and the complete story. And we want to learn what this other person is trying to convey to us. So we have to have some self-awareness around that. You know, be aware if you're the type of person that isn't a great listener or you do have a tendency to drift off like I do, um, or you want to skip ahead because you're impatient, you know, be aware of that. Have some self-awareness around that so you can come back and focus in and um, get the whole story, the complete message, the 100%. Um, There have been some studies that say that Oftentimes we only remember or we only focus or absorb about 25% of what somebody's saying. And if that's the truth, if you're in an exam room with somebody and you're only hearing 25% of what they're trying to convey to you, then you could miss some big stuff and you could definitely get yourself into trouble over that. Um, Not only in trying to take care of your patients, but also in the communication And you could have some ugly negative effects later when the client comes back and says, you know, I told you that, I told you that he vomited four days ago and you didn't hear that, you know, you didn't, you didn't pay attention. So um, that's super important. And so besides getting the complete message and, and I guess another way to get the complete message would be to show that person, you know, after you've paid attention and you've written some things down and you've gotten there and you've asked a few questions, then really go back and repeat what you've heard back to that person. And that's a really important part of active listening. Um, I've been to some seminars where they talk about listening and, you know, they, they teach you to um, parrot back what you've been hearing. And that can get a little bit annoying if you do it too much. You know, if, if every time somebody says something, you, you know, say it right back to them, uh, it might get a little bit um, redundant and the person might start to get frustrated. Like, why do you keep repeating me? You know, I, I know I would. I'd be like, you know, I just said that. Why are you repeating it? However, if you can you know, use your body language and look interested and use some gestures along with it to show your listening by smiling and nodding and encouraging, and then repeating some of the key points back to that client, it's going to help you so much to put that 
story together. And if you show that you're listening by repeating a few things that they've said, um, parroting it, parroting it back a little bit, um, they're going to see that you're really interested in their story and that you really care about what's going on in this room and that your brain isn't, you know, off in the next room trying to solve some other problem that you've got or three clients ago, something that you forgot to say to them. You know, I don't know about your brain, but sometimes my brain is in four places at once. And so if I can encourage my clients to, you know, give me the whole story and then, you know, make sure that they know that I've listened by saying, now, let me make sure I got this right. You know, you noticed this growth three weeks ago and it's been getting bigger or, you know, has it stayed the same if I didn't quite get the whole story? So you can ask some questions, you can can repeat back to them, and that's going to really help them realize that you're listening. I have um, dealt with some situations with clients where I really have a feeling that I'm not getting the whole story or I'm getting the whole story from one client and they're in the room with their spouse and I can see that the spouse doesn't necessarily agree. Have you ever been in that situation where you're kind of in the middle of the spousal argument or the spousal disagreement? It's really uncomfortable, but if you've got the wife you know, in one chair in the room and the husband in the other chair. And as you're talking to the wife and she's telling you the story, you see, you know, next to you, the husband's like either making faces or he's shaking his head no a little bit, or you can see he wants to interrupt. You know, there there's some disconnect between the two clients in the room. And that's what I mean by watching their body language, because you can sometimes catch on that maybe you're not getting the whole story. So then when you go to repeat back, and I've done this before, and it it feels a little manipulative when you do it, but if you're noticing that the wife's doing all the talking, and that's probably sexist of me to give that to the wife, so it could be the wife or the husband, but one of the spouses is doing all the talking. And you're seeing that the other spouse doesn't necessarily look like they agree. Their body language looks like they're in disagreement or, you know, they're trying to interrupt and the other spouse isn't letting them because they don't want them to. Um, You can take control of that situation a little bit with your active listening skills by taking one of your questions and turning it to the other spouse, the quieter person or spouse or partner or whoever, whoever they are. Oftentimes, you know, two people come with one pet. And I've done that before. I've kind of said, you know, well, how many days or have you noticed anything different or did you notice, um, you know, anything else? You know, you can open, ask some open-ended questions in order to open the door for that other person in the room to get their part of the story out. And so if you feel that body language that's telling you that you're not getting the whole story and and I'm kind of a very feeling person, so I'm, I'm one of those people that, I don't know, I can just, there's just an uncomfortable energy when people are disagreeing about a story. If I'm feeling that energy, I want to know why. And so um, showing that I'm listening to the person that's doing the talking, but also allowing the other person in the room to have some input by turning to them and looking at them to see if there's anything else that they want to add to the story or anything else that they've noticed 
Um, sometimes that's a really good way to get the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, um, if you ever heard that. But you really need to pay attention because sometimes that will give you the most insight when you're dealing with clients. I also have had this experience with um, team members or um, parts of my veterinary team, people that I'm leading, where one of them will come to me with a story. And oftentimes they'll come in pairs because there's safety in numbers. And if it's bad news or if it's a bad client interaction, you know, they want to deliver it to me, but they don't want to be the only one in case I decide to shoot the messenger. So sometimes I'll have two people presented to me with the same story. And they don't necessarily always jive. You know, people see things differently. So if one person is doing all the talking and they're telling you the whole story and you're not 100% certain that you've got the whole story or you're worried that you might not have the whole story, turn to the other quieter person that's just standing there nodding their head and say, you know, what is your perspective on this? What did you see happen? How did you, you know, how did this seem to you? Because some people will see a situation in, you know, one way that's not very dramatic or they are very dramatic. You know, it's all colored by the way we see the world and our personalities. So try to, when you're active listening, show these people that you're listening, but also try to get both both participants or if there's three people in the group, try to get everybody's input. And as they're telling their story, make sure that you are showing interest, that you're paying attention, that you're using your body language to show that you're open to these stories and that you want to hear the whole story. Things like, yes, uh uh-huh, while they're talking, nodding your head. Um, Those will all help the stories to continue to come out. The more open and receptive you're you're acting and the more that you can show you're listening, the better off it will be. Sometimes, you know, we have judgments in our head and we're already, you know, to the answer. We already think we know what the answer is. Um, That doesn't always serve us. You know, we have all these assumptions and filters from our own stories and our own personalities. And so sometimes it's better um, when you're hearing things to try to let down um, your own beliefs and your own distortions in the story. And then when you ask your questions, you know, you can say things like, okay, what I think I heard you say was X. And then repeat what you think you heard them say, because sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes what you've taken in is very different than what they meant to say. Or you can say something like, um, it sounds to me like you think, you know, so-and-so did something wrong. And let's say when you're talking to a team member, it sounds to me like you think that this should have been done differently. And when you say things like that, they can always clarify it. Um, or did you mean to say, or did you mean this? This is what I took it to mean. Give them the opportunity to correct you, you know, leave your ego at the door because sometimes we get wrapped up in our own thoughts and our own brain and our own judgments and we will, you know, respond emotionally and not really logically. Um, and if you're a feeling type of person, Um, or an emotional, dramatic type of person like I am, sometimes you will lose the whole story in your own drama, in your head. 
And I've done that too. You know, I've gotten upset right away because of something somebody told me and I'm already thinking of how, you know, how I'm going to fix it and what I'm going to do about it and what I'm going to say rather than really listening and knowing exactly what happened. And so taking that judgment out of it and allowing the person to finish their story, make all their points and, um, and you not interrupting and letting them get it all out is going to be so, so helpful. Um, you want to really try to identify um, the problem in the, the um, narrative that you're being given. You know, they, somebody comes to you with a story and they've got a problem. And when you're a leader, this happens, you know, 20 times a day. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting at my desk and, and I hear my desk faces the wall. Like the, my back is to the door of my office because I share the office with two other doctors. And so we're kind of around the edges of the room. And so my desk is directly opposite the door. So when I'm sitting at my desk at work, which isn't super often, but when I am at my desk, somebody walks into the room, my back is totally to them. And I can't tell you how many times that somebody will walk in that door and say, uh, Dr. Capel, do you have a minute? And that's always the question, you know, do you have a minute? And if you understand um, our job, like I know you do, um, you never have a minute. You know, who has a minute? And what that usually means is I have a problem and I, and I need a solution. So to me, that means, okay, now I'm going into, I'm going to solve your problem. I'm a fixer. Lay it on me. Let's go. You know, I, I kind of like that. Even though they're interrupting me, I enjoy the interruptions. But I will have a tendency to solve the problem before the person even tells me what the problem is because my brain works super fast and I think I've heard all the problems in the world in my lifetime and I can solve them all. So something that's super important for me to remember and probably for some of you as well is we have to listen to identify the problem. You know, what is it that we're trying to solve? We have to really identify is what is this person coming to me with? What is their issue? And then once I figure out what their issue to their issue is, um, is what is the goal? What, what do they want from me? What do they want me to fix for them? Because that's really the only way to have a successful solution to a problem is to understand what somebody needs from me. You know, the client needs me to fix their pet. The client needs me needs to feel heard. The client needs to feel loved. They need to know that I love the pet, but really they brought me a problem that they need me to solve. Even if it's something as simple as I got a new puppy and I need you to tell me how to take care of it. And I need you to tell me what to feed it. You know, really listen to what they want from you. And if you can get that um, out on the table and realize that your job is to fix it for them or to at least try to and answer their questions, then you're going to be a much better communicator. And all of that revolves around this thing called listening. So listen to figure out what their problem is and what, what is their goal? What is the, the person that you're conversing with? What, what is their need and what is their goal? Um, you can also go a long way is if you can figure out what mindset they're in so you can cater your um, conversation 
to help them cater the conversation to figuring out what they need and what what they want. What is their mindset? Where are they coming from? Are they concerned about what it's going to cost? Or are they concerned about how to be, how to do the best for the pet? Are, you know, do they have a new puppy and they're super concerned because they've never had one before? Or they're super concerned because they had a dog 15 years ago and things have changed? You know, what is it that they need from you? And then if you can really listen to that and then revolve your conversation and your teaching around that, they are going to feel so much better leaving your office. Um, When your team members come to you with a problem, if you really can hear them and embrace what they need and then cater the solution to them and their needs, then the conversation is going to be so much more satisfying to them and to you. And um, you need to get to the bottom of their problems and address things the way they want you to, to address them. And that's all part of this thing called, you know, active listening. The responses that you give are going to have to be honest. So when I say, you know, what do they need, you know, what do they want you to be? What do they want you to do? That's part of it. You know, you do need to design yourself somewhat around what your client needs, but you also have to be yourself in some way so they know that you're just not, you know, blowing smoke. You've got to be open and honest in responding and make sure that you do get your opinions out there because that's also very important even if your opinions don't necessarily match theirs. But you also do need to come from a a place where you're providing them the space that's needed to make them feel truly heard. Um, And there's something about allowing that space around a conversation and allowing yourself to be open to the empathy that you need to have, to their personality, to the words that they're saying, to their beliefs, even if you don't necessarily um, agree always with the way they're believing, there's something to providing that space that's going to make the conversation so much easier. And that's all part of this skill, this listening skill, um, the observations that you're having and the fact that you're really paying attention and that you've listened to them well and that you're going to get their problem solved for them. And your clients are going to feel so much better um, with you as their veterinarian. Because there's, you know, thousands of other veterinarians out there that they could go to. But if they feel like you, if they're very well heard when they're in your office, and they're very well loved and cared for and that you really want to solve their problem for them and what's best for them, even when you don't know. And um, I have so many veterinarians that I talk to that are afraid to tell their clients that they don't know. Um, and I I don't know. I, I've As a young vet, it, it made me a little um, scared to say I didn't know. And I, I always felt kind of weird. But the longer I've been doing it, the easier it is for me to say, look, I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. You know, what is the best dog food? I just had somebody ask me that the other day. 
what's the best dog food for my German short hair pointer? Well, gosh, I don't know. I wish I knew that. I think if I did know that, I'd be a cajillionaire, you know, if I could design the best diet for every single dog on the planet, but I can't. So I can give them my opinion, but I can honestly tell this client that, look, there's so many diets on the market right now that I don't know everything about everyone. So I can tell you my beliefs and my um, experience around diets and how I feel about these diets, but to completely answer that question, I can't. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Um, there's so many resources that we have in, uh, this, uh, profession. There's so many ways we can get help from specialists, either over the internet or on the phone, or even in person, we can send clients to specialty hospitals. Uh, we can do tests when we don't know what's going on. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. I think that's a very appropriate response to listening to somebody's problem. If you've really heard them and understand exactly what kind of answers they want and you truly do not know the answer, then by all means, say, I don't know. I think that's fine. You know, it's really part of the deal. Um, you know, we're trying to make a plan to cater to them, but if we really don't know which direction to go in and we need to do some more homework around it, um, I think that honesty in that respect is is always the best policy. I think you're going to be very much um, better respected if you're willing to tell somebody, look, I, I heard exactly what you're saying and I, I totally get why you're concerned, um, but I'm not 100% sure where we need to go with this case. And so um, if you'll allow me to, I'm going to take a little bit of time and I'm going to research this for you and I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. Um, or I'm going to call somebody right now if it's an uh, emergent situation. You know, I'm going to call and, and try to figure this out. I'm going to do absolutely what I think is best right now, and I'm going to get some more information. So don't be afraid, you know, when listening to somebody to make that part of the response. Or, um, you know, if you don't know but you think a little bit more information will help you, then ask more questions. You know, it, you don't have to, you know, ring them through the in inquisition, but um, getting more information might sometimes help you um, to respond the way you should respond and to get them the resolution that they want to get or they want, they came to you to get. Um, and the same thing goes for your employees or the people that you're leading. Uh, people respect leaders that listen and are concerned um, and sometimes that takes a big chunk of your day. I, I spend a lot of my day just listening to people's problems. And I don't know that I necessarily always can solve them, but I do know that I can always provide space for my people um, that work with me. I can always have that space for them and allow them to express their frustrations. And I can also provide my empathy and sometimes I can help them with a solution and sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes it's, it's on them to figure out what they can do. And sometimes that's the best response is I don't know how to help you, but I'm here for you. Um, but just to show that you can uh, be a good listener and not be off somewhere uh, in your head and not paying attention to what that person has to say. I, um, 
I have a short story, and I think this kind of will illustrate what I mean by listening to people um, when you're in a situation where there's two sides to a story and then trying to get to the bottom of that story so you can make a proper decision. Um, And this particular example revolves around a doctor's story uh, versus a client's story. And I'm not going to give super specific um, parts of the story because it, it, it is more of a privacy thing, but, um, but this happens a lot. So I think you can relate to this. So a client comes in, they see another doctor in the practice. And because I'm the manager and the owner of the practice, a lot of times if there's something that goes wrong, it'll go to the practice manager or it'll come to me. So this client had a conversation with one of our doctors Everything was talked about. The doctor listened appropriately, gave the appropriate treatment um, recommendations, uh, gave the treatment plan. You know, these are the things we think we need to do for your pet. The client supposedly or apparently heard the things that were offered and the things that they were told to do. Um, Here's the things we think you should do. Here's the treatment plan. Um, We really think you should do X, Y, and Z tests. And the client, you know, politely declined. They didn't want to do what was recommended. And so then a couple days later, things weren't going well with the pet um, in the treatment that the only treatment that they would accept from the doctor. Um, And so they were back. And at this point now, they're upset because that doctor didn't fix anything. Um, that doctor didn't, you know, make the diagnosis and that doctor didn't tell me what was wrong with my pet. And it must've been a misdiagnosis because she gave me this antibiotic and now there's this other problem. Um, and so it's kind of a situation where it's, he, he said, she said, because I wasn't in the room. I wasn't present. I can read the doctor's write up in the computer and see what was said on the doctor's end and what the doctor heard, um, but I wasn't in the room with the client. So now it's my job to try to figure this out and make this client feel heard, make her feel like I'm addressing her problem, um, but also be a good colleague to the other doctor and support the other doctor. Because I know um, in my heart of hearts, because I know this person, that she absolutely did the appropriate thing, absolutely gave the appropriate Uh, recommendations. And this client, for whatever reason at the time, decided that they didn't want to do what was recommended. And now this client thinks that the doctor didn't listen, the doctor didn't hear them, the doctor didn't, you know, do all the things that should have been done. So when I go into the situation, what I like to do is start right from the beginning. You know, I, I, I read the record. I know exactly what the doctor thinks happened. I might even talk to the doctor. You know, can you tell me what happened on your end before I address this client? So I really have a firm grasp on the story from the doctor's end. And then when I go into the room, I just start from scratch. And I think the best way to show a client that you're listening is to sit down in the room. Now, our exam rooms have two chairs. And so fortunately, if it's only one client, and they're sitting in one chair, or even if they're standing, I have the option to sit. 
And I think body language wise, me sitting down not only takes away that authority figure, like I'm standing over somebody, but it also allows the client to realize that I've got all day. You know, if you have a really long story to tell me and you're upset, you know, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to really listen to you. And so what I like to do is sit. Now, if the client's standing, when I walk in the room, they're upset, they're standing they're they're, you know, hyped up or whatever. Um, I'll ask them to sit down. I'll say, yes, have a seat. You know, I'll just say it just like that. Have a seat. So I'm really telling them to sit down and most of them will comply if you say it in a kind way like that. Some of them won't. But even if they don't, I'll oftentimes sit because it's really hard for somebody to see you sitting there and then think that you're not being kind and or you're or you're fighting with them. You know, it's it's hard to fight from a seated position. You know, I might be able to throw one punch, but you know, if I throw two, I might fall off the chair. So I think sitting is really a, a great place to start. And then I basically say, can you tell me what, you know, what happened? Why are you upset? Where do you think the, you know, where do you think their problem lies? And I'll just let them tell me their story and I'll take notes and I'll repeat back just like I talked about earlier. I'll ask questions. I'll try to clarify. And oftentimes I can see exactly where the miscommunication came from between the client and the doctor. And a lot of times it's the clients just aren't listening. They, they're emotionally charged. They're not paying attention or it was a financial decision and now they're beating themselves up because they didn't do it right the first time. And if you can just take that guilt away from them and you can say, okay, look, here we are, you know, it's three days later and your pet's not any better. Um, but I'm looking at, you know, what doctor, what the other doctor wrote in the, in the um, record and it looks like right here, you know, that you were given a, a treatment plan and they, they wanted to do blood work, but for some reason we didn't. Do you know why we didn't? And sometimes if you can just ask the questions, the clients will say, well, you know, I said no because of the money. You know, I couldn't afford it or whatever without, without, you know, pushing them in a corner and making them feel defensive. You can get to the bottom of it and say, look, I, I understand your frustration. Your pets know better. Um, I really think that the communication that you had with the doctor was was good, but maybe something got dropped. You know, here's what the doctor heard. Here's what was written in the record. Here's what you're telling me happened. This one sentence doesn't jive or these two sentences don't really jive. Perhaps there was just a miscommunication. So let's move forward and let's get your problem solved. Most of the time, if people feel really heard, even if they didn't feel heard the first time they were in, and you can make them feel heard and you can reassure them that now we're going to get to the bottom of this or we're going to fix this and and you can back up the other the other physician or the other veterinarian and say you know I really think that this was all appropriate things were done exactly how they should have been with the information that we had at the time because maybe three days ago, the pet didn't look as bad as it does now, you know, so things change. And if you can explain that to people, a lot of times you can win them over to, you know, being open to suggestions of moving forward and not, you know, remaining angry with a situation revolving around listening. So that's what I have for you around listening. Um, let me summarize it a little bit because I know sometimes I have a tendency to um, maybe ramble and not get my points across as well as I should. So I'm going to reiterate um, some of the main points that I just said. And then that way, 
Um, if you were listening appropriately, you probably got them all. And if I was communicating properly, then we'll all be on the same page. So first we want to listen to obtain the information and get the full story. We want to listen to understand and not to reply. We also want to enjoy the process of listening and we want to learn what the person needs from us. Pay attention, show them that you're listening by your body language and by your words and by your questions. Provide a little bit of feedback, get rid of your judgment, don't judge them, and then respond appropriately so they will know that you are going to solve their problem and that your um, communications were on the same level and that you understand what they need from you and that you're going to try to solve their problem for them. So those are some things that it takes to have good listening skills. And like John Maxwell said, let's listen 80% of the time and only talk 20% of the time, which is really a challenge if you're me, as you can tell by the way I talk on this podcast. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope it's sunny and warm where you are. Um, Please contact me um, by email if you want to sign up for my weekly words. I send out a little email message every week on Wednesday morning um, just as words of encouragement. You can sign up for that on my website or just shoot me an email and I can put you on the list. If you have any comments or questions for me that you want me to read on the podcast or suggestions for topics, send them my way. I would love to hear from you. I am going to be in the next few weeks trying to do a few interview podcasts. So if you have anybody that you think would be interesting for me to interview and talk about these kind of issues on the podcast, please send those suggestions to me. And as always, leave me um, a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. Uh, The more reviews I have and the more um, people you tell about the podcast, the more people we can get into this discussion about uh, being better veterinarians, being better people, and um, enjoying our lives more, which is really what this podcast is all about. So thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.